I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Rick Kelly. And we love to watch. We love to watch Monk Seduction. Don't let Satan turn you around. No, no. Turn you around. Turn you around. Don't let your trouble. guys hail hey satan. there <laughs> hail satan hail satan hail uh, satan my, my brothers my dudes uh rick is here again uh because he did not leave one of those nope those things he's been in our podcast recording sound booth for the last week we came in to record this one because that's what we recording in a professional booth and there was rick sleeping under the table yeah <laughs> fucking so hungry so hungry just just waiting and waiting for someone to come bring me something to eat he ate seven of our microphones yeah <laughs> so if there's some reverb going on it's from his throat <laughs> yeah yeah how, how do hot takes literally taste uh, i don't know they're pretty good it's it's like hot sauce so it kind of depends on you know the context and and how you use it yeah and who's serving it up and who's serving it up yeah um content so was <laughs> content <laughs> um, <laughs> <Nosferatu>. <laughs> uh no peter we <laughs> talked about this so yeah so rick is back we're gonna be talking about hacks on or is it Haxon? i kind of keep saying hacks on but i feel like it probably doesn't rhyme with wax on so no. <laughs> i actually i actually uh think it's hexon hexon but i don't think anybody says that Unless you're Scandinavian, unless you're specifically um, I'm not. Danish, yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm not offended either. that you would even suggest it, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think we I think we can call it whatever we want to call it, and it's it's going to be okay. Movies are whatever you want them to be. Yeah, the show is about science and research <laughs> yeah. and disrespecting the Danish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finally, our second part of the show came up. We haven't had a chance yet. Uh, to talk about how much we fucking hate the Danish. What are you, a <laughs> people? Are you a food? Get it together, yeah. guys. Seriously. just It's just a croissant. Why do we even have to have a different name? We Stupid. don't. <laughs> we don't need a different name, Rick. That's what we've been saying on this show for 48 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's just mad because he one time called it a Danish and got laughed out of a bakery. Yeah, I could yeah. not pronounce it. You know how I hate those foreign words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's a, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Especially in a silent movie. Not good at pressure. Uh, yeah, so this is our second uh, second week of uh, Silent Horror Month. Rick has uh, thankfully agreed to join us again. Um, I actually think this, so this movie I had never seen. I know Rick and uh, Peter had seen it before. I'm really excited to get into it. It is... I'll save my general thoughts because no one knows what I think yet. So we'll save that. But I am, let's just say I'm very excited to talk about it. But we're going to get right into our game. And so this week, let me tell you a little bit how I got to this game. I'll tell you guys the short version because it's super boring. But essentially, so when Hexon, Hexon, 
hikes in. Uh, when that came out, uh, it uh, it was condemned by many critics. Uh, even critics that liked it said stuff like, hey, this is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. No human should watch it. This is not un- un- unfit for public uh public consumption or something along those lines yeah so people really fucking were like this is not meant for human eyes it, no one should no one should watch this so i was hoping to find all these contemporaneous like reviews of Haxon and then put those up against like focus on the family reviews of like the simpsons and make you guess what they were talking about mm-hmm. there wasn't enough contemporary reviews i could find that really made that a workable game but then when I started going to, say, focus on the family's uh, movie, music, and game review website plugged in, uh, I think it's pluggedin.com, which is – I don't know if they get the irony of calling it plugged in. Don't know. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll have one of them on someday to ask them, like, you know you're not, right? Uh, uh, but uh i hope they plug in tune in and tune out yeah uh but as i started reading some of their reviews for recent movies i started reading some of their reviews for recent movies and i'm like i think we have a different game so i'm going to read you uh so the way the reviews work is that they have kind of um a summary of the plot with no commentary and then listing out like all the swearing that's in the movie drinking or alcohol sex uh, any other evil things, positive elements they would recommend. And then they basically have like four paragraphs at the end that would be like a traditional review. Uh, and those reviews, a lot of times, they basically almost make it sound like they speak for themselves because they've already outlined all the terrible stuff, quote unquote, in the movie. And so you probably, if you're a reader of Plugged In, have come to the same conclusion by the time you get to the conclusion as the reviewer has. What I'm going to do is I took paragraphs uh, from their conclusion components. Uh, these are all horror movies. And I'm going to read the paragraphs to you. And you have to guess what movie. After you guess what movie it is, uh, that'll be a point. You'll, we have ten total questions. Uh, and then at the end of each question, this is not going to be for a point, but I need you to tell me if this review, once you know what the movie is, if it's a Jesus Christ, like – Jesus Christ, you fucking idiots. Or an are you fucking kidding me? Which means this is this actually makes me angry at how bad they got this review. So, <laughs> so, so hold on. Can we go through the yeah. thing again? It's, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it's a, it's a lot of movies. Jesus Christ, you fucking kidding me. No, there's just Jesus. So there's only two. There's You basically get to review the review after you guess. So there's, okay, Je- okay. there's, there's Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> and then there's are you fucking kidding me? Those are your two okay. ratings of their review. A lot of moving parts, guys. Got to keep it complicated. Okay. Okay, I'll try. All right. So, uh, Peter, you're going to go first? Hit me. Okay. Removed movie name isn't exactly the sort of film that viewers turn to for life lessons. It's a horror movie. And while we definitely have a hero to root for, we're not so much rooting for him to make the right God-honoring decision as we are for him to, you know, survive. But whatever important ideas this movie may be trying to illustrate, we can't lose sight of how it chooses to express itself in bloody, profane ways. Now, I realize that's that could probably apply to most horror <laughs> movies. Can, but can you, can, can I'll give you, you like a decade or uh, something? It, it came out this year. This year. Oh, um, Get Out? Correct. And they gave uh, it one point five. <laughs> they gave it one point five stars out of five. Not all of these have uh, star ratings. 
<laughs> wait, so wait, what is 1.5 out of 5? Is that like an actual review or is that a how family friendly? No, that is the, that is the review. So they give all that information and then they have the review at the end. The star writing reflects how much they like. Now, it, from from I from what I could tell, they only started to give reviews about 3 or 4 years ago. <laughs> But when there is a star rating, uh, I have I, – I will I will underline what they ended up giving it. Oh, God. Wait, what was the second one? Holy fucking God. Is it Are You Fucking Kidding Me? Or are You Fucking Jesus Kidding Christ? Me? For sure, because they're missing the point. Uh, I could spend hours on this website because it was so you amazing. You yourself? Yeah, because I hate myself. But this is a great example of everything they said is like, this movie's trying to talk about race. And, like, the positive things were, like, uh, the girlfriend standing up for him in front of the cop. And, like, it's good. We should speak out against race. <laughs> what? That's, that's the whole fucking movie. And they're, like, at the end, like, but they just had to be gross about it. One and a half stars. Anyway, it's going to get way worse. We're going to have so much stuff to talk about. Please, please oh hit me. All right. Oh, Lord. You have one, you have one point, though. Uh, Rick. Yes. The mere absence of sex and violence isn't a good enough reason to see a movie. Movie name is an intense, ultra-realistic scare fest designed to exploit occult imagery to generate fear. While supernatural beings and witches do exist, and a healthy fear of such is proper, using them to incite paranoia crosses the line. Add in the prolific vulgarities, and this film finds itself in the must-avoid category. Oh, man. I, I thought it was The Witch, but uh, prolific vulgarities is strange. I'm still going to go with The Witch. Maybe they have a different definition of prolific vulgarities. It is Blair Witch. <laughs> the, the original Blair Witch Project. Uh, yeah, all right. So is that a Jesus Christ yeah, that, or a, are you fucking a Jesus, kidding me? Jesus fucking Christ, whatever the first one was. Really? Yeah. That's that's a Jesus Christ? I think that's a are you fucking kidding me because this one says – <laughs> this, this this review says that witches and supernatural beings do exist and a healthy fear of them is proper. <laughs> okay. But this but this movie just crosses the line so in making you, you paranoid. You've actually, you've, actually, you've convinced me that I'm wrong. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I I didn't know that this was I didn't know that they were a uh, like a, essentially an evangelical organization or Oh yeah, focus like, on the fa- focus on the fa- this is focus on the family. I just thought they were like boring waspy like bored housewives. Oh no, they're, no, they're, no they're, and they're like virgin husbands. They're real uh, organized pieces of shit. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are terrible, and I, they're. Not, I'm not saying though, but and these are the, this is their like culture offshoot called Plugged In. I gotta see this website. It's so good. It's so good. I I I, I sort of understand the appeal of diving deeper into these like squeaky clean but like actually morally vile groups like it's just I and it's under- missing the point of the movie so hard or like getting it but then being like yeah but i didn't it was i'm gross yeah and i <laughs> uh, 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 i'm very safe and white in my house so uh i just don't really feel like talking about this sort of stuff <laughs> i i kind of blew my load a little early though because the blair witch one is so funny to be like yeah, no, witches exist and you should be scared of them. This movie, too scary. <laughs> Fuck you. If witches exist, I should be way more scared than what this yeah. movie tells me. Are you kidding me? You know how there's a, you know how there's a, um, there's like Lifetime movies, or not even Lifetime, but like uh, just sort of like family-friendly movies about kids ruining their life with internet porn and, you know, even adults ruining their life with internet sure, porn. Sure, yeah. yeah, the, Aaron, know, the Aaron Armstrong yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Adam Sandler movie, the one where he's addicted yeah. to internet porn. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Men of a Certain Age by uh, uh, Jason. Yeah, Rickman. indeed. Um, or Men of a Certain Person. I don't know. That's I think it was Rain Over Me. Of... <laughs> Rain Over Me, yes. The night alone. <laughs> yeah. Happy Gilmore. All right. We have eight more. Oh, Jesus there's Christ. There's going to be a yeah. lot to all talk right. about. Yeah. So let's, let's get going. Yeah. Uh, all right. Rick or uh, Peter, your turn. A horror movie that's profoundly disquieting in its depiction of a family's descent into soul-sapping terror. And since the director was not content to simply expose the irrationality of the day, he presents us with an even more disturbing idea. While this devout family imagines evil in their midst that doesn't exist, real evil stalks and eventually claims them. The devil truly is in the details in this dreary, demented rumination on wickedness that has no godly counter and certainly no happy ending. Is it the witch? It is the witch. They gave it one star. <laughs> Rich, I, uh, Rick, I, start, I sort of uh, hijacked uh, the fact that you uh, you put that. Yeah, in no, no, totally. That's cool. But this one was this is one of my favorite ones though too because it is like they they got the movie like dead to rights and then are just like, but I wish someone came and said, well, but there's God too. <laughs> And one star. One like star. they, they nailed it. They totally got what the movie was going for. They understood whoever this particular reviewer was. These are a lot of different reviewers. But then, like, is like, but nope, didn't care for it. Um, these, these, these websites really are like any depiction of anything equals like enthusiastic endorsement. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, so is this a Jesus Christ or a, are you fucking kidding? Uh, it's a Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. be- because I feel like the whole goal of this organization is like, is this movie godly for you? And like, in a weird way, the witch is, um, it's not, I was thinking about this literally like an hour and a half ago watching Hexen. The witch is weirdly like, not an endorsement of those ideas, but it's like, okay, what if some aspect of their ideas was real? And, and yeah. it's kind of interesting to see a review kind of like... <laughs> I don't know, uh, compromised by that idea. Like, what if it is? Well, it is saying it's real, but... Well, and this one really has, like, this This has, like, a really salient point that I, I don't even know if I would have put it into as good of terms, which is, like, while this devout family imagines evil in their midst that doesn't exist, real evil stalks and eventually claims them. Like, that's a really good summation of the plot. And for it to be followed with... But I would like to see God in there. One star. (laughs) (laughs) You are, Rick, you are losing two to zero. Yeah. In the end, the rancid hand of evil prevails and the movie tells us that's a good thing. While this back to the drawings board tale might not quite be as gruesome as some of its undead cinematic kith, it surely makes darkness and deadliness look good. Cool. Huh. I, I don't know. Rosemary's Baby? Dracula Untold. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. I didn't know anybody thought of that. This is why they gave it two stars, so better than The Witch and It Follows, if you're keeping track. Or, uh, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> better, than, better than The Witch and Get Out. That's what I get for trying to skip ahead. This The other reason why I really like their website is because their reviews are different. Like, there's the, I get the movie, but I wish there was God there. It was the totally I missed the point of the movie. Uh and then, like, the kind of I'm a sarcastic asshole about this. <laughs> so, they really have all sides of bad reviews going for them. Rick, is this a Jesus Christ or a are you fucking kidding? Oh, you know, I actually don't know the film, so I'm not sure the best way to answer that. Never uh, seen I guess I'm, I'm just going to go with Jesus Christ. It just seems like it just seems annoying. But that's that's all I got. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. 
All right, Rick, you weren't one of the you weren't one of the uh, the legendary gang of four, the four people that saw Dracula untold. <laughs> Do they call them the gang of four, like the band or the revolutionary? Yes, the syndicate. Yes, yeah, they're the gang of <laughs> cool. Four. Yeah, because that's <laughs> they like, wrote solid like a cynical, gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gang of Four is pretty cool, actually. Pretty good band. I love Gang of yeah, Four. It's a good band uh, too. Peter, two zero, you're winning. You're 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 fifth for the fifth question. <laughs> then there's the issue of director's names desire to, as he says, quote unquote, go there with this film. It's difficult for me to combine the words children's horror, but that's what movie name callously does. I don't think going there whether it's the macabre melodrama, casual acceptance of witchcraft, or haunted house violence, or fat suit nudity is ever a great idea, let alone when there are eight-year-olds around. Oh my god, this is a good one. Fat suit nudity. <laughs> fat Children's suit horror. Fat suit nudity. Fat suit nudity. That's going to be the name of my punk band. Yeah, it's I've awesome. seen this. I've, I've seen this movie more than once. And I don't remember any fat suit nudity, but this okay, person so, this person wrote that shit down. Was like, so that's I'm a gonna, red herring. It's a. It, I mean, it's probably in the movie, but only a true psychopath would notice it enough to put it in the reveal. Uh, can I get Can I get a decade again? No, you're ahead by two. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll tell I'll tell you what. Every movie, the earliest one was the Blair Witch Project. Ah. Okay. okay oh. Okay. 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 Uh, children's horror, whatever, Monster House? Coraline. 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 There we go. So I, I was in the, I was in the right neighborhood. Do you, do you remember, yeah, I was, do you remember Fat Suit Nudity? I don't. Fat Suit Nudity is a real, real, um, um, what is it? Red herring because it leads you to believe that this is a live action movie. Yeah. It's not. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I I don't know that the reviewer knew that. Oh. (laughs) I like to think that for the, some of these reviewers, this is the first movie they've ever seen. They're yeah. Like, don't it, care it, for any of it this. reads like it's the first movie they've ever seen. Absolutely. He says he wants to go there. Well, I don't think it's cool to go there. <laughs> That's <laughs> basically what <laughs> um, so. What? It's, a, it's, oh like, it's an awesome kids this movie. This is making it's me... Like, it's, it's I'm actually feeling viscerally... You should. You should. Well, I mean, she says it's difficult for me to combine the words children's horror. Like the concept is like, I just I, it makes me sick. <laughs> Has she never heard of a campfire? Yeah, like that. That is what. That yeah. is what my childhood. My best. My best childhood memories. No joke. Were telling ghost stories uh, when we were like in somebody's backyard around a campfire or. Uh, and so it's like Clubhouse, like telling a scary story or watching a movie that we were like a little too young to to watch, like a scary movie. Like that, that is. Yeah, like that was a big. So that's really weird. So, so Peter, what you're saying is you were never afraid to go there. <laughs> I was never afraid to go there at all. I, I should be clear. Anytime I'm trying to like enunciate stuff or pronounce things certain ways, it's because they use a ton of quotation marks, a ton of italics, a ton of hyphens. They really want to let you know that oh, they are disgusted. No. Yeah. Are, is this, this person just like writing these reviews with their nose turned it's, it's, up at this filth? It's not the same person. So this is not me editorializing their tone. Their tone is very present in these reviews. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Go, Rick, let's go. Rick. Yes. Number six. Okay. So the mad. movie wants us to see blank. 
<laughs> the movie wants us to see char- main character's name as a pretty and vulnerable heroine. But if this young woman encouraged guys to stand on train tracks and wait for the 910 Express to hit them, would we feel as sympathetic? Yet that's essentially what she's doing every time she seduces someone. Yay, main character's name. Way to doom all of your amoral male friends. It follows. Correct. Ah. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this whole thing. It just makes me so mad. <laughs> All right. So is this, a, is this a Jesus Christ? Or this this is one where someone I don't even think was paying attention to half the movie. Yeah. No. This is because, absolutely whatever the second option is. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Take this and shove it up your butthole. I don't. You know. Yeah. That, that's the secret third option. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Um. Peter. Question seven. Three. Two to one. Anyone's game. It is artistically not a bad movie. As satire, it has purpose. But neither wit nor heart can rescue this thing from the fact that it's operating in a moral vacuum. It is not that this is one of those films that leaves me feeling particularly horrified, appalled that a culture could craft such a thing. Perhaps that because the film sat- satirizes the very thing it mimics. Perhaps it's because these days it has so many compatriots it becomes hard to sort out one from the other. Cabin in the Woods? Correct. Yeah, good call. Wow. Good call. The the satirizes the very thing it depicts thing. I was like, okay. That's, it's so, la- that's, so lazy, right? It's not like the laziest thing. It's, like, it's a yeah, lazy yeah. one. This, and is it's, just, this is the kind of thing it thinks it's being smart, but really it's engaging in the exact dynamic that it purports well, to satirize. Well, <laughs> it's, like fucking, it's, like a, it's on a template. You can just insert that in your review. Here's the line, though. Here's the line that I think that's worth unpacking because this is. It, I feel like there was a twist. There was a mini twist in this review. You may have missed it where it says, it's not that this is one of those films that leaves me particularly horrified. So you would think, oh, because you didn't find the movie scary, that's what you would be horrified by. And then the hyphen says, appalled that a culture could craft such a thing. <laughs> so what the reviewer is talking about is that this movie did not make him horrified in the sense that the movie was offending him. Yeah, right. That's what he means by horrified when watching a horror movie, not what the rest of us mean. Yeah, so horror movies so, in general are about um, manners of generating offense. That's it. Why the fuck? Yeah, why are you fucking watching these if you're yeah, just like get out, get out of the it, theater? It, in this person's in this person's defense, we are literally mining a a Christian asshole website for outrage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it for humor. I didn't know that this was going to set Rick like three years back on his rehab. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, um, Rick is going to go in and smash some TVs in a mega church tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rick's I, like, want to step I, into the rage cage? I live in I, li- I live in Berkeley. Do you, are there a lot of mega churches here? Because I, I haven't seen them. If there is one, I'm going to take it out. All right. Uh, Rick. Sure. 3-1. But is director's name ignoring the irony of what he's doing, turning tragedy into a joke? Because the latest massacre takes place in a fictional town far removed from our real-life Columbine or Omaha. That's supposed to make it okay? But why? Why is it acceptable for eight-year-olds to dress up like monsters on Halloween, but not Dylan Klebold? How can we cry over a massacre in Brazil or in the Netherlands, then laugh when we watch someone get stabbed in the head on a movie screen? Huh. So this one, let's just uh, underline what this one's saying for. What is the difference between uh, someone watching a movie and laughing and praising someone who uh, goes and kills children uh, in Columbine or other places? 
That's a great moral equivalence. I, yep. I think that's a really good point. This person you guys are, you guys are going to especially reviews. fucking laugh what this movie is talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. I want to talk. I want to say it's like uh, let's we have to talk about Kevin or whatever that movie is or some other like kid kid disturbed kid thing. But I think it's probably something bizarre. So I have no idea. Uh, scr- scream four. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god what uh, so okay so one so just to be clear this making... this is a are you fucking kidding me right <laughs> yeah yeah no it's an are you fucking kidding me in, yes. at least in large part because by the fourth entry in the scream series you would think they would just get used to it you know what i mean or not even bother to review it would be my suggestion if i were a sociopath who worked or focused on the family i'd be like you know what yeah, and it was such a nothing of a movie to be like, watching this is basically the same thing as supporting massacres. Oh, 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 oh my God. So, uh, Peter, your last one, three to one. There are moments when movie's name is a fun, if extremely shallow and, and implausible popcorn flick. And as PG-13 action horror movies go... It throttles back on objectionable content, but the abuse of God's name will be enough to earn it a thumbs down in many homes. <laughs> so somebody says, God damn it, or something, and this weird or Jesus Christ in it, and so that they're like, at least it's PG-13. But as far as I'm concerned, they're going to hell. What, um, what's your guess? Uh, 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 is this a horror movie? Uh, it's definitely more action horror. It has some horrific elements. PG thirteen. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I don't know Twilight. Uh, no. And the reason I included this is that when you're when you know what they're talking about by the abuse of God's name will be enough to earn a thumbs down. You would think it was God's name in vain. It is not because the movie is Godzilla nineteen ninety eight. Oh boy. Oh, I hate. I hate how those Godzilla movies are always putting down religion. <laughs> that's that's that's, that's the a, ultimate missing the point. Yeah, he's, a, is he's a kind of god, a Zilla kind of god. <laughs> not yeah. my house. He's not. <laughs> yeah, Rick, it's the last one. Yes, you can't win. I know, but let's try to go for some. No, I, I, I'm going to see it through to the end. Make so this the, one worth a hundred points. <laughs> sure, it's worth a hundred points. Great. Uh, the anthropomorphic portrayal of Satan as a player in these events brilliantly pulls the proceedings into the supernatural realm. The film is rated R and family should never undertake its viewing lightly or without spiritual or emotional preparation. However, unlike films with lesser ratings that exploit brutality, it doesn't at all glamorize maliciousness and murder. Indeed, it is disturbing for all of the right reasons. Um, is it uh, what women want? <laughs> yeah, you know the my favorite part of what women want is the anthropomorphic portrayal of Satan. <laughs> I wanted it to be left behind, but I don't think it's left behind because there's also not that. Well, let's 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 brainstorm the last one. This is a positive review. It is definitely the goriest movie on here. Uh, they justify all of the violence in this movie, uh, unlike all the other ones, where even the slightest thing. They uh, they had problems with it. They didn't even if they agreed with the message. It, it, they had it, problems with it. It exalts God. The the violence exalts um, God. This one they have found every fucking reason in the book to make this one okay. okay. What do you think it is? Huh. 
I, what do you think, Peter? Do you have ideas? All I'm coming up with is them accidentally reading John Carpenter's pro-life episode. It is, of uh, course, Mr. the passion of the Christ. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Is there is there an anthropomorphic uh, Satan in that other than the Jews? Uh, <laughs> they did. If you think they had a paragraph, if you don't think they had a paragraph addressing that, you'd be wrong. Because, <laughs> like, every, I only remember the really horrifying depictions of Jewish people as being borderline satanic. Uh, I do not remember an actual Satan. Just a, just a light Satan. So, hold on, I'm going to... Yeah, I don't remember it either. But unlike some people, <laughs> the reason I, I wanted to include this as the last one is, of course, after hearing nine reviews of them chastise and judge, it's amazing how much they're like, but, you know, yeah, talk about it with your family, but this is this is horrible torture porn for the right reason. Given, given that I'm, I already lost, right, it was three to one yeah. at that question, can, I, can we close it out on three to two because I still got Mel Gibson, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing this game because uh, it both made me mad and and it uh, made you think a little. I think it probably. made me think a little bit about how evil Satan is. Yeah, I learned how many different ways someone could be wrong about something. <laughs> I learned that I should never feel bad about not going to church. Yeah, exactly. This is like this is like an ultimate like, hey. If these are the sort of people I might be sitting next to, never going back. Yeah. Hey, guys. So are you guys ready to go there and talk about Haxon? Let's go there. I'd love to go there and talk about Waxon. second recap or do you want to do the 90 second recap for this movie i'll do i'll do the five okay um, five it up baby <laughs> you do you want a second pass at that <laughs> no we'll see what comes out in editing <laughs> all right like clearly the mic in another room like five it up baby yeah. Um, five it up. <laughs> I was going to say, the beat's about to drill. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we got to get out of here. Five it up, baby. <laughs> so, you want me to do this movie? Please do the in whole thing. Arnold in voice? Ver- could, if you could do. Now, you're only doing five seconds, but if you could do the five second in varying uh, accents, I think that would be ideal. <laughs> uh, okay, so it is it, it is a. Uh, Docu fictional documentary about uh, witches and how witches never existed. So you're not going to do that. <laughs> the, the, the film is a documentary 
sort of fiction it's film. Way more Werner Herzog. did not exist. <laughs> way more Herzog and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you just said various uh, various accents. I it's did not say about witches. I, did, I want to be very clear. The, I the send tape. them straight to hell. The witch is like the, the jungle. The, the jungle <laughs> that robs your heart. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be very clear, and you can check the tape. I did not say various ethnics. <laughs> I said ethnic accents, right? No, you know, I, I don't did think say, so. I said various accents. <laughs> wow, do a bunch okay. of racist stuff for no reason. <laughs> That's what I said. But like racist against pe- the people that yeah. I am. Yeah. Uh, Irish, German, yeah. those kind of yeah. things. All right, so 90-second recap is, this is kind of the first horror anthology movie. So it takes place in a few different segments. The first one is uh, another first, as far as I'm aware, which is the first uh, boring PowerPoint presentation. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like witches, the inconvenient truth. But actually, it's just is kind of showing the history of, wit- of witches and where they got there. And then it's going to kind of take you through the Inquisition segment. So the first one is about a witch who uh, she makes a deal for the bishop or the monk to fall in love with her. Yeah, and then she kind of fantasizes about, and this is actually one of my first notes, like, well, this is a different 1922, because she's kind of fantasizing about the monk running around trying to fuck her. Little did I know what else was coming in this movie. <laughs> the, se- the second segment is kind of a long, stretched out one with different different intervals, and, and basically, uh, these, these, this, this lady's husband is uh, sick of dizziness, uh, one of those terrible maladies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the dizzies and they blame their uh the person who works in the kitchen says the witch uh the witch then uh basically admits to it says yep she gets dragged in in front of the monks says i'm a witch because she's sick of being tortured makes up this story of this orgy with uh with devils essentially uh in one of my favorite sequences in the movie uh, and then, of course, though, she blames some of the other people that live in this household, said they're witches, too. And so there's kind of a monk who's in love with sort of in love with one of the one of the women. He's trying to get her out of the situation, because, of course, if you say someone's a witch, they have to investigate you. And through through events of eventually it's kind of uh accidentally revealed that she might be a witch or she kind of admits to a portion of it. And then essentially she is fucked, too. And everyone leaves uh, the town. And that's really like the big, big, big segment of the movie. Yeah. So then the next kind of story is basically uh, it's kind of quick. It's in a convent. It kind of shows that they're they're doing everything they can to keep Satan at bay, um, hitting herself, doing all those uh, Inquisition type torture uh, techniques on themselves. Eventually, that essentially drives them crazy. That affects the whole convent, and of course, the interpretation that they're they're showing in this kind of docudrama, walking you through, is that uh, this is this is why people thought these demon outbreaks would happen in convents. And then the final uh, segment, which I'm not going to go into, kind of explains their reason for why witchcraft and the idea of witchcraft has uh, gone through the ages. And the reason why I want to say that is because that is what I want to talk about first and foremost, because this movie. Did like in the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced. So it kind of pulled the rug out from me. I, I'll, I'll say I love the movie, but I'm also writing all these notes as I'm watching it about how like feminist this movie is and how progressive it is. Like they have all these lines about how the idea of believing in devils, actual devils and witches is ridiculous. Something that seemed, especially from my kind of upbringing, to be pretty revolutionary for 1922, and as and as illustrated by the reviews we just went through, 
pretty would be pretty revolutionary a thought to those those type of people that are writing and reading those reviews. So I was like, man, this does not get talked about in the way it should. Uh, and just thinking it was, you know, way ahead of its time. And then the last segment, they kind of reveal why all this stuff has been happening, which is the general malady of hysteria that has been impacting women uh, for this long. And you what it know felt it. like to me and what it felt like to me is I'm it's like I'm sitting to like a professor speaking and just going and maybe maybe this professor speaking about like global warming and how all these people that believe these myths about the earth is is warming is is wrong and i'm sitting there going yes yes and this professor's debunking all this stuff and illustrating and doing doing going all the way through and i'm sitting there in in wrapped attendance of of how great this guy is at like really pointing out the flaws and illustrating why it's not solar flares and it's not all this other stupid stuff. And there was no such thing as global cooling. And I'm totally on board with what he's saying. And then at the very end, he goes, okay, so now we know all that stuff's bullshit. Let's talk about the alien lizard people that are actually warming up the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 It it is kind of like that. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a twist on me that the movie did intend. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I should say that the movie actually gives itself an out to hysteria, which I thought was really good, where it kind of says on its like recap, it says this is what we used to believe. And that was nuts. And now we think it's hysteria. Is that what's going on? Who fucking knows? So I I do think it even gives itself a little out. And it didn't it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the movie at all. But it was just so amazing to it was like hearing a very smart person speak for a long time only to have the rug pulled out from you when you realize that their competing theory is just as ridiculous. Yeah. So I I, um, it's not it's not just as ridiculous, though. Like hysteria is a ridiculous concept and it's inherently sexist, especially in a modern context. I I should say not just as ridiculous, obviously, but just as anti-feminist. But well, in a modern context, yeah. yes. Um, and especially the way hysteria was used in um, that era. It was like, uh, you know, a woman speaking out, a woman wanting having sexual fantasies, uh, well, exactly. a woman doing anything. That is hysteria. Why is she not acting in her natural state, which is complacent and all that? That's obviously horrible and that's anti-feminist or whatever. But it, it it's... In the context of 1922, I found it kind of like, sort of like a secular humanist sense, kind of like uh, uh, reassuring that like a hundred years ago, this was kind of a, prog- this was very a progressive text. The idea that like, it wasn't these factors, um, it wasn't witchcraft, it wasn't a deal with the devil, it was mental illness of some kind. And saying it's mental illness of some kind that caused um, mental illness actually combined with um, they talk about socioeconomic problems. They say yeah. the reason that these women act so so strange sometimes is because, you know, they're old. Maybe maybe they're poor. Maybe they're rejected by society. They're not all there to what uh, you know society expects of them. So they get cast down as witches which is like and the movie is very humanist in that sense it's like how there's that scene where they're showing all these old these uh these uh elderly elderly women's faces and they're saying uh look at all these women's faces like a hundred years ago or 200 years ago they would have been just cast off as witches or at least just weirdos because you know they're not they have tics or they're mentally ill or they're just something there's something about them that doesn't let them fit in with 
quote-unquote respectable society. So I at least found it progressive and rewarding in that sense that it was a movie almost 100 years old that was saying like, hey, maybe these people aren't possessed by a demon. Yeah, sure. They have mental issues or they're stored or it's just the way we look at them. Yeah, I think the movie's de- uh, the movie's definitely ahead of its time. It it felt way ahead of its time, and it's it, you know again you're you're right. The stuff that it's talking about, obviously, again as illustrated by some of those reviews or people you might know, people still believe that witchcraft is playing a part in some of this stuff. The, One these of my, are real my cousins things. weren't yeah, my cousins weren't allowed to read Harry Potter. My cousins yeah, from so, the south were so it's it's progressive in that matter, but but eventually 1922 re, like rears its head. So I I, I agree it's advanced for its time. But obviously, it's it was great at pointing out all the flaws and all the arguments that had been common, uh, common experience, common ideas, common theories for for millennial or hundreds of years or whatever. But then when they had their own competing theory, it was like, uh, all right, guys, you, you, yeah, you lost me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rick, 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 what do you think? Because I definitely agree with with Aaron that like it's it's not exactly woke, but it is for its time. Uh, incredibly, I think incredibly progressive for a hundred years ago, but for now, obviously in a modern context, it kind of loses it. Rick, where do you stand on this? Okay. So here's, uh, here's, here's my thing with it. I think we're losing, we lose sight a little bit of the fact that this is also, it has a, the film has an intentional pedagogical function, right? Like even when, uh, Christensen recorded his, uh, intro in the forties or whatever for the re-release, he was like, this is really about like teaching people about how it used to be and how things got better. It was really important to him. Um, but it's also an exploitation movie. It's a straight-up exploitation movie in many ways um, because that's why so many like shocking things are included in it. It's supposed to get a rise out of audiences. <clears throat> and so uh, the notion that it's like it's it's progressiveness is a little suspect to me. Not to mention the fact that like, okay, so in 1922... Uh, the Freudian notion of hysteria was a dominant idea in, in psychotherapy, right? And they even show it in the film in the last section. They're like, you know, it's like, yeah, whereas she used to have to go to the stake, now we just institutionalize her in these places where yeah. horrible things happen. And it, like, really fundamentally undercuts the thing, no matter how you want to look at it. Like... To me, anyways, the um, I know this is like a kind of a moralistic sort of thing. I didn't know we we're going to get into this so fast, but like the but like let's get it out of the way. Okay, but so the the basic notion is it's tracking effectively misogyny uh, over the centuries, right? Uh, the sort of the the notion of the patriarchy and the way that um, it singles out women and causes women to single out each other in an attempt to get by. Um, and the way that that's mapped onto uh, the way women are treated now. Uh, it also points out that old folks don't have to get accused. They just go to nursing homes or whatever. And it's like, oh, cool. But uh, so, <laughs> like, it's, it's a very confused moral point if the whole point was moral. But I also never really bought, uh, every time I watch it, that it's like he's on the level with that because they go so far out of their way to emphasize um, the sort of exploitation aspects 
that uh, it's hard to believe that uh, it was really about teaching us anything, actually. Yeah, this this isn't a stain like this is a reenactment of what happened. These are just kind of stories in the milieu. So I agree that this is this is kind of education as a way to I, I would almost argue it's almost to trick acceptance like like he knew that what he was making in some ways was not going to be accepted well in 1922 and so he tried to kind of wrap it around the idea of uh education which is a classic it's a classic uh technique i mean it was very very popular yeah. at the time and it's probably still popular to this day that's you know what, that's what kenneth anger did sure i agree that it's it's definitely has exploitational uh roots and that was like sort of the appeal and how he thought he could maybe make money off of it but um i have trouble with there's sort of a, a final point being made right at the tail end of Seven, right at the end of the movie. There's kind of a point being said that Aaron touched on very, very briefly. That is, it's saying like, yes, how great. So for most of Seven, it's saying how great is it that we now have mental health treatment for women and we're we're not just like throwing them in, into a burning stake. And then, so it's like, some form of improvement. Just treating it as a mental health thing is, as a society, an improvement. But there's also, at the end of it, there's this language shift that I'm having trouble sussing out. And I'm, I want to kind of get your guys' feel on this. They say towards the end of Seven, sort of, the language sort of changes where it's like, and now we, we can stick them in... Uh, treatment facilities we can stick them in asylum and i don't know if that language is accurate to the original language because the term stick them in or we can shove them in or the actual verb implies that yes this is better than burning them alive but these institutions might not be all that great either there's sort of an implication at the very end that i found that's like like Karen said, sort of lets them off the hook. And I'm curious if you guys think that it actually lets them off the hook, because I do see it as an improvement, not burning them alive. Like at least they're being fed, given meals a day. But like they're still being horribly mistreated so, in these mental health facilities. Yeah. So I, I guess I would say that it's true that the ridiculousness of the reason why, quote unquote, women are behaving this way goes down and is trying to potentially focus on real world situations. So they've kind of left behind the, the fantastical. But the I don't think the misogyny gets toned down at all because it still True. is. Sometimes women think this stuff and then the stuff on their back is because of these weird women problems with hysteria. So it's it's the it's the level of craziness that that recedes. And of course, so then the reaction to how how the patriarchy reacts to those issues then recedes the same. So obviously, it's ridiculous to uh, burn someone at the stake because you think they're a witch because you don't like the way that a woman looks or the way or she's too pretty or not pretty enough or whatever it is. As the ridiculousness of the charge recedes, the ridiculousness of the punishment and society's reaction, the patriarchy's reaction recedes with it. But the core problem is just sometimes women are like this, and we're learning why women are different than us. Uh, they literally take a point-by-point -point comparison of all the charges sure. of witchcraft yeah. and then show how this is actually the hysteria doing its thing. So, again, it's, it's, a, it's a recession of uh, extremes but not core problems. And I will say, too – it does kind of let it off the hook, but 1922 is like 
post-suffrage movement. It's post the, you know, by decades, the Susan B. Anthony's, the Elizabeth Stanton's. I mean, I guarantee there was a, a very loud contingent of people in this country saying, and other countries, uh, saying that, you know, that, uh, that hysteria was bullshit. So I do love that this is a this is a fucking movie from what 95 years ago, almost 100 years ago. And we are engaging with it like it's a modern text. Like I love I love that I love that film has that power where you have to engage in its old context and you also have to engage with it in a modern context and how people will see it and how you're just your modern sensibilities react to it. Uh, I, I, I love that the film got that sort of reaction out of me where the last, the last chapter I was like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, Rick, you're, you're off the hook. Please tell me what, what, what do you, how do you react to all? all I think, I think it's a fantastic point and it's actually ties into what I, what I want to say, which is like, if, um, if we could take a step back from our, uh, 2017 moralizing about how it should have been in 1922, and view it as a, uh, a text that we encounter from a particular moment, right? Uh, it's pretty fascinating that the, the obliviousness with which uh, the critique of superstition is mapped onto um, medical science in general, and patriarchal medical science in particular, um, that the whole notion that this this like uh the clerics are in many ways uh become the doctors at least visually it's how it looks i don't think it's it's not how it's meant it'd be awesome if it was like this like fantastic critique of uh this continuum between you know the the inquisition and uh you know doctors who who know what's up even when we know they're fucking wrong looking at it this many years later, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's going on in the text. We can see it right there. And I think that's uh, that's a valuable thing in and of itself, apart from all the aesthetic accomplishments of the film. It's just like, that's pretty amazing because we have this footage. We have the, the notion that it just does kind of flow in that way. And that's um, it's a document of patriarchy in that way that we don't necessarily have to condemn. It ain't, I, I don't mean to be like slamming my, my hand on the table and being like, nobody don't. It makes background noise. <laughs> audio yeah. Fidelity. Yeah, Please yeah. don't stop. Slam I'll stop. Watching this film now teaches us a lot about how things were viewed then. And maybe teaches us some things about how we view things now or just what, what, how these all intersect, particularly skepticism of earlier generation superstitions and the superstitions that replace them. It energized me kind of in a way that um, a lot of silent movies don't. And again, that's not a criticism of silent movies. Uh, you know, I've, I've said before, I love silent movies. Silent movies are some of my best friends. Uh, but this one really, <laughs> this one really like I was almost like, oh, I cannot wait till Tuesday comes so we can record this because I feel like I have so much to talk about. Yeah, the show's going to be like eight hours long. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that I enjoyed the ex- – and we're going to get into some of the more horrific elements and how – Yeah, we got to get into the – We got to get into the meat of how this movie is, like, what it's saying about women. And, yeah, like, we just got to. It would be disingenuous to not get it yeah, out no, of it. But, sure, but also sure that, that was something I really wanted to talk about because this movie absolutely pulled the rug out from under me. Half of my notes – 
in this movie are how are we not talking about how like pro-feminist this movie is and why isn't this included in feminist horror movies and all this stuff gotcha until that last <laughs> until that la- yeah it was it was a huge gotcha for me uh because they they seem to lay it on so thick there's that scene where uh she's uh the the old the old lady who's being accused of witch from the from the first scene and then yeah. in the 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 second part is uh is is calling the monks who are in, uh, inquisiting her learned men with such venom and sarcasm it like choked me through this screen like she's like oh you learned men know what we're talking about and I'm like holy shit this movie gets it like it is it is openly attacking the patriarchy so it was so surprising to me that it was replaced with a new patriarchy and a new like cultural idea of why women are <laughs> fundamentally broken. It was it was like did you not watch your own fucking movie? It was <laughs> um, it was amazing to me how 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 thick they lay on that um men at their core and the patriarchy have served uh the women that they claim to protect and care about poorly only for it to do the same fucking thing. Um so it's not that I didn't want it to avoid it. I just couldn't believe how tone deaf someone could be. And that, you know, sometimes that's exciting to talk about. And that's why, again, my analogy from the beginning kind of holds up. It was just so weird. It's like seeing the fastest runner in the world that you're amazed that you're seeing. And then all of a sudden you notice they're heading straight for a wall. And then they, like, crash and kill themselves. And you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of... Um, because the seventh chapter, I'm sure you guys can tell, was very conflicting for me because the idea of hysteria is clearly a, a sexist construct. It actually made a lot of, um, especially post-second wave feminists, very, very critical of how psychology and how therapy works. And it made a lot of it made a lot of women like kind of like not want to engage with that as a, a means of treatment. And you can't skirt that when you're watching the movie because then the movie there's like if it's it's saying like yes now we just call this hysteria which in a sense is horrible and then the other sense it's like well you're treating a mental illness in women but also like you might be treating women who aren't mentally ill at all yeah i think i think the word is kidnapping i'm glad to get the con- i'm glad to get this conflict out because it's just like it's so interesting to me to see somebody who, like, in 1922 was probably saying some shit that, like, people didn't want to hear and needed to hear. And also saying some shit that, like, people didn't need to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's but here's my problem. I know you're not defending this. But here's my problem with the at least they were focused on mental illness. They weren't focused on mental illness. They, they said that look at the woman dreaming of the farmer's hand. That's hysteria instead of her husband. Like, they go out of their way to be – to kind of outline – normal human desires and thoughts and painting that into the corner of mental illness because they're coming from a woman. So for sure, for so, sure. So yeah. So I'm not saying you disagree with that, but that you're, you're right. Them. I'm sure, I'm sure that did have on women for a long time, about how they viewed psychology because they were using psychology and the uh, quote unquote understanding of how a, a woman's brain works differently than a man's brain as their new witchcraft. So, and we're going to, and we're going to look back a hundred years from now and look at how we treat depression and how we treat um, sex addiction or how we treat any sort of addiction. Like we're going to look back at certain ailments in people and be horrified. Yeah, absolutely horrified. So, like, I guess my my general view is like, 
generally things are getting better because we're not setting people on fire anymore. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of been our component, I think, or our, our running theme throughout. That's kind of improvement. Yeah, yeah, I don't and, know. but that's but that's been our running theme throughout this podcast that we're not con- necessarily condemning movies. That if we, if we're not watching the movies from 2016 or 2017 and looking back 20 <clears> years <throat> from now and going, "Holy shit, why did we think that was okay?" Yes, then, then that's then that's disappointing for us as a culture. So let's talk about let's talk about like the depiction as an exploitation picture because I definitely agree that it is reveling in how fun it is to depict satanic imagery. Yeah. Um and it is fucking fun. Like I cannot deny that. Like depicting these like satanic rituals and the nuns freaking out and like being consumed by this quote unquote possession. Um like that stuff is all very very like fun on a visceral level. Yeah, and really surprising that that whole scene was the uh, inspiration behind Sister Act. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back back in that habit, baby. Um, yeah, not the sequel. The sequel actually uh, was inspired. The Phantom by, Carriage, uh, Marathon Man. <laughs> Sorry, inspired. It's, it's, God. <laughs> no, but yeah, but yeah, so it's a sort of but yeah. So the 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 exploitation as- aspects of it are interesting to me because yes, it's so fun and like as somebody who loves occult imagery and satanic imagery and loves like reading like i read this book called sex and rockets uh in the past couple years and it's about l ron hubbard and how he was involved in the occult and and uh are you you a scientologist no (laughs) you just moved to california yeah that's what i was thinking i don't make enough money to be a scientologist yeah well um maybe when i get a raise i'll uh, they'll come out to me but like right now i'd be i'd be so humbled by being on the the sea org (laughs) so it's 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 it's, uh the cult sort of stuff really appeals to me especially like um, with the sort of winking eye that some of the scenes have where Satan's it, it's sort of funny to watch like Satan embracing a woman and has this like Gene Simmons like flickering tongue thing yeah he loves the um, tongue yeah dude that tongue yeah, thing. Yeah. never stops tonguing yeah so I had, <laughs> yeah. I, had a, I had a theory and this could be wrong that's kind of like the Satan in the in the first act we'll say uh, not the Satan or the devils in the second act where they're like these cool like almost like wood devils because they come from the trees or something very jim hensony really loved them that first one though and i honestly wondered this did not look it up <laughs> science and research was he constantly tonguing because that was supposed to be like a representation of the devil as the snake or was he just into some weird freaky shit i think it's a snake thing and also the devil is always depicted with a forked tongue and the t- forked tongue is always out so you can see the forked tongue yeah so i think it was supposed to be like the- satan's tongue is always out I think it's supposed to be it's supposed to be snaky, um, I think, but it's I think it's also very much supposed to be lascivious, which pairs with uh, you know getting getting the the wife from the bed, which pairs mm-hmm. with him frantically churning milk uh, in a really <laughs> really really um, uh, thin veneer of a metaphor for jerking off. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's and so you guys, good. You guys know that you know that Christensen plays the devil, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes. the director of the film cast himself as a devil, um, which is interesting given much of the meta context of the whole rest of the thing. But yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. That that churning butter was like barely a veneer. Like he might as well have just 
Yeah, his dick in his I know. Hand. It was like so it's not. It's not a veneer. I think that's probably. In they large did it part. twice too. Yeah, I know. If yeah. if I was a censor, that would have been a scene that I would have wanted cut. I think. Yeah, and it's and it's <laughs> uh, beautiful because it's like. Uh, he's making the same faces that I used to make when I would make the, the broad jerk-off motion at people. Oh, God, I, uh, I didn't know where, I didn't, I didn't know where you were going with that. Like, big open mouth, like, like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, okay, okay. okay. Can we stop? Can we? See, and he, he was making the same expression that I make when I uh, jerk off in a butter churn, so. <laughs> and, you, and I'm making the same expression right now out of disgust. <laughs> While you're making Aaron, butter. Yeah. Well, yeah. I am making butter. Aaron, That's yeah. Well, at that point, I love to jerk off, guys. Like, it's, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird fucking gauntlet to throw down for other people. Like, <laughs> what reaction do you want? Yeah, do you want like, someone I, to go, fuck you, I'm better at it, you, let's have a competition. Yeah. No, there's no, I, there's I, no I, response I just, like, to that that's socially acceptable. I just sadly look down and I'm like, I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all this needs. See, to be I right look now. up and I go, "I'm so good." God, after because <laughs> up, no, up because, is like, where my penis is. Because I, I, I'm really glad that we had like a serious conversation, or we are going to have or had or whatever a serious conversation about the like socio gender economics of how this film works and now let's make a bunch of dick jokes but i'm glad that it happened so enough of who and what jerks off to butter churns um <laughs> look inside yourself and see where you stand on that issue yes um let's talk a little bit more as long as you're talking about the the orgy scene let's really talk about the aesthetic of the of the movie because uh we kind of touched on a little bit with like the different devils and the way it works and then obviously there is some uh great powerpoint presentations explaining some stuff framing some stuff sure wait, uh, Rick, wait what, did you, what did you think of the the aesthetic or like the tone visual tone poem that the movie is presenting to us so i really want criterion to release a blu-ray of this because the hd uh transfer of this is one of the most gorgeous films gorgeous, I've ever yeah. seen. And I decided after last week I watched Nosferatu on the standard whatever cut on Amazon. I checked out an HD cut of it and I was like, holy shit. Like for a moment I was like evangelized. I was like, I'm, I'm never watching standard definition uh, transfers of, uh, of sound movies ever again. Not going to happen. <laughs> Definitely gonna watch whatever style movies I want, but uh, these HD transfers are so fucking gorgeous sometimes, and this movie in particular blew me away. The the the, the variety of shots in particular, like there's a shot of the uh, sleepwalking woman who's walking naked through a graveyard or a field uh, up against this like blue sky. There's tint there's tinted frames in section of the film, yeah. blue and red and green maybe. Yeah, the film's almost never black and white except for title cards. And uh so it, it captures like scenic shots and tight shots with these like uh, monster uh, uh, puppets and uh, uh, anima not animatronics, but yeah, I guess just like puppets and costumes. And they're absolutely, absolutely beautiful. The movie is, I, I am instantly, instantly became one of my favorite movies visually. 
Um, like, I couldn't even, like, uh, like uh, engage with it, like, intellectually for most of it, like, the first time I watched it, because I was just, like, so blown just, away just by the Just filling images. up that butter churn. <laughs> I was just filling up, filling up that butter churn. And, yeah, it was so, uh, Rick, what do you think of, what do you think of how the movie looks? Like, we talked a little bit about the exploitive aspects of them just depicting satanic stuff as is, or I should say, as imagined. But, like, what do you think of that? Uh, I think it's, like, one of the most uh, uh, tremendously uh, visually uh, gorgeous um, films of the silent era, particularly from um, Scandinavian countries, like, alongside The Phantom Carriage, I suppose, or Dreyer's films, which are um, very connected to it in, in a number of ways. But, you know, like, the witches flying, the broomstick thing, um where they have... Uh, I actually looked it up. Do you know how they did that? The thing where it, it just morphs into all these witches flying over the town? They they built... No, yeah, no, they got real witches, which is amazing. Uh, it's a, like a casting coup. They were actually just people with a lot of hysteria, but it worked. <laughs> for, uh, no, but they, but they constructed um, uh, like an enormous model town and put it on a giant carousel. These things were like six feet high. And they turned the carousel uh, with a whole bunch of dudes turning it. And then they separately filmed uh, things with uh, women on broomsticks with airplane engines blowing their hair. And then superimposed the, bo- the both of the two with uh, like an experimental optical printer that someone designed. Like that's insane. That's That's a lot of work. Um, oh, to create those images. It, it shows. It's so, so pretty. Yeah, and <clears throat> so for things like that, it just amazes me. But I, I guess aesthetically, the, the thing that really struck me, the uh, emphasis on close-ups, which is, um, I think, a huge influence on The Passion of Joan of Arc, uh, not just because of the thematic things where, you know, it, it is about the oppression of women by um, insane religious men, but also this notion of just holding in close to to people's faces really unadorned with makeup and really pretty nasty like that that uh the dude like in that that reverie the woman has that yeah uh, you guys referenced earlier someone referenced earlier where she's like imagining you know seducing the the priest the monk yeah. and uh he's so gross dude He's all his like, eyes yeah. are so small and gross looking. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's like a, it got a really visceral reaction from me, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is um, Dreyer. This is Passion of Joan of Arc. I can see it. It came out six years later, but you can see it right there, where it's just uh, these these close ups that really um, emphasize the sort of inhumanity of folks, or they emphasize the humanity of folks, as in." The uh, homeless woman, the baker woman, whatever she is, yeah. who comes around and it really uh, make it gives this element of realism that makes deeply uncomfortable the torture scenes that follow or even the montages of torture devices. Because you're yeah, the torture device montage was was great. It was like a pre. Uh, saw thing almost. Yeah, it was like here's all the things we're gonna we fuck over people with in the Inquisition. Yeah, and but- they don't get too grisly with it. But the implication of how these are being used on this old woman and that these were being used on regular people. Uh, the, yeah, it's it's it it brilliant in its way of 
making you feel the uh, torture of these devices without depicting them uh, explicitly on screen. Yeah, I read a, a great essay, and I actually just want to shout it out, really. It's on a, a site called Kino Eye by a guy named James Kendrick. Because uh, a lot of the stuff that I've, I'm going to say or have said is totally stolen from it. But like of the Vermont Kendricks, <laughs> probably I, <laughs> apparently of the Kino I Kendricks. Just but, a dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he he points out that um, you know it's it's like related in many ways to things like Passion of Joan of Arc that would come, but also. To say the exorcism or to Rosemary's Baby or to the devils or to torture porn, there's so much built into this thing aesthetically. And one of the things that really hit me was if you look at that uh, early scene in the witch's lair, right, which seems to go on forever, where they're, you're first learning about how things work. They, uh, they break off a finger of a condemned man to add to their potion, but... It's too dry. The condemned man's fingers too dry, so they gotta they gotta water it or whatever. And if you look in the back of the the water your fingers. <laughs> if you if you look in the back of the scene, there are skulls around, and there's that one dog skull that kind of yeah, like dog skeleton hangs skeleton. Yeah, not even skull. The whole skeleton that dangles above. <laughs> and the thing is about that, like like he compared it to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which really struck me because um, it's one of those things where it seems like I remember later that something more gruesome happened, but it was actually just the implication of the set design and the inclusion of these various things that make the aesthetic just really unsettling and really... um, It feels feels dangerous and gross, uh, but not in a way that ever actually involves... um, you know, it's 1922. You don't expect someone to get their throat slit in like a Tom Savini yeah. blood spurt. But it, it just has this feeling that that might have happened or it's going to happen right after the cut. You know, some of the components of framing this as a documentary and the PowerPoint presentations early on also adds a lot of realism to when you're they're having the fantastical devil orgy scenes that it, it still is almost played as a true depiction of events. Sure. It I think that that. Portraying the whole thing as like the unsolved mysteries reenactment, even if it's not that, uh, lends a lot of creepiness to the proceedings. Yeah, you have to imagine how people took that at the time. I mean, this is 1922, so this is the same year as the release of our last, um, the film we talked about last week, Nosferatu. It is the same year as the release of Nanook of the North, which a lot of people talk about as the first documentary. Um, also kind of a fake documentary. <laughs> which is very much a fake documentary. So people are, are – the, the whole notion of genre is a bit in flux. <clears throat> but I don't think anybody was doing uh, any <laughs> anything approaching the kind of uh, genre fuckery that's going on in this movie. Well, I mean this is 20 years after people were like, there's a train that's going to hit me in my theater seat. Right, sure. Is that a myth? A little bit. But, I mean, it happened. It totally it did happen. Okay, then don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might have thought that, but you know. Well, good. That guy was specifically the guy that thought that was who I was targeting my joke towards. <laughs> Very. It's a surgical we'll call him strike Theodore. Of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Theodore. Yeah, that sounds like a 
Yeah, the- Theodore sounds like a guy who uh, who would have been very surprised by the train coming towards him. Theodore. Um, yeah. So so we are we are kind of running short on time. There's there's still a lot of moments that I want to talk about. Um, let's do some quick scenes or moments that you think are worth mentioning before we kind of go to our to our final thoughts. I have three really quick ones. I want to get to. I think that this movie is probably the first instance of good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Uh, I have no proof of that, but there is a scene where uh, she's getting interrogated, and there is clearly a monk who's trying to plead with the old woman to uh, to confess, and then the other one, when she turns to him, is yelling at her. So uh, that felt like it might be might be the first instance of that. Do you think do you think the actual inquisition because if they're pulling real techniques from the inquisition, do you think the actual inquisition like cops like actual investigators were like, yeah, that's horrible. How they were like just hunting down like people and just calling them witches and sending them on fire. Anyway, um they kind of had a good idea with this whole good cop, bad cop thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I feel you want to like, maybe run with this? <laughs> I feel like there's something more elemental about that, though. Like, it doesn't surprise me in the film when it shows up. Maybe that's because I've seen it so many times since. But the notion of tricking somebody into being like, hey, man, listen. If you, oh, well, woman. Hey, woman, listen. Uh, if you just, like, cop to this. It won't be so bad as if I let that other guy in the room. Seems like a kind of thing that people would do in general because people are people are. Yeah, terrible. yeah. I don't. I don't think that this movie inspired it. I just think it's probably the first depiction of it uh, on film. It, yeah, it, is yeah, it might be. It might. It really might be. Yeah. The the other thing I had is that I thought that the uh, the line is so perfect when they say that. The witch plague seems to spread wherever the judges go, which yeah. is so perfect at It's beautiful. It's it's I love it. It's such a great capper to like the big uh centerpiece of the movie that 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 concept that yeah, the judges were the ones actually bringing the the witch's plague by the way that they viewed everything and the way that they would go investigate and harass through the inquisition. So it's perfect. And then my final thing is um this is where after after the the part seven rug pulling, when the movie ends with the word slut, and I had to go look up that that was how <laughs> how you the slut in uh, in Danish means the end. Yes, I does. honestly expected like Ashton Kutcher for, to jump out of my couch and be like, we've totally punked you with the last, <laughs> like this was added on later. You've, <laughs> no, you've, yeah. you've watched a bad version. Uh, Ashton Kutcher references. Kids love them. Yeah. Still hip to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows about punked, but it really felt like you've got to be fucked after all of that. Yeah. It ends with the word slut on screen. Yeah. Like, what if they like came out? Me. What if he came out? It was like a Truman show thing where he pulled your house away from you. And like you took your baby away. It turns out your baby was just like a grown woman, little person. And like it was. The I, sus- I suspect that at least 20 times a day. And your wife was an actor and he just pulls your whole life away and he's like, you've been punked. And then he drops you in your college apartment in Minnesota, in uh, North Dakota or whatever. Yeah. That's that's what that's what I was thinking might happen. It's also the closing title card of Joan of Arc, right? So, oh, it is. Oh, God. Yeah, that is that is way worse than Joan of Arc. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. That is. Wow. They, they should really think about changing the language. <laughs> like, look, you're already including subtitles. Maybe make that an English title card. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Or, or French. 
Yeah, it's fine. Like, or like right below, like right below when they say the end and the Criterion version, there's like a little asterisk, and they're like, "Yes, this actually is the term." Well, Criterion, I when I watched it, anyways, they didn't translate it. So they didn't? no, there's there's <laughs> there's no translation. So it really just seems like it just says that. No, there was there was no translation on the one I watched either. Yeah. I had to go look it up. Yeah, there was on the there was on the DVD. This is really boring, but there was on the DVD, and I took like a screen cap to send to my friends, and I was like. Wow, this is pretty edgy. <laughs> this language is pretty edgy. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's un- unfortunate, uh, uh, you know, coalescence of, of two languages. Yeah, like there's accidental misogyny, there's intentional misogyny, and then there's like, just like cosmic misogyny. <laughs> the three M's. <laughs> the three M's. <laughs> All right, uh, anyways, um, yeah, my, my the other points I wanted to point on this movie, because like I love, like I, I talked about earlier, I love all the... Um, the satanic imagery of the movie, like, I, I love engaging in that sort of, uh, those sort of visuals. Like, it's something that, like, I was soaking up. And we didn't really talk about this at all, but, like, the Criterion score of the movie is pulled from, um, it's pulled from the original, uh, score that was, like, played at the premiere of the movie. Which doesn't necessarily mean that the movie was ever, you know, cut to that or whatever. That doesn't mean that at all with a silent movie. It just means, like, this was the score that was played during the premiere. And somebody happened to still have notes from the premiere or, you know, the composer still had notes from the premiere or whatever. Anyways. Um, and I don't think... I think, like... I don't think the main piece is original, but I'm bad at, I, I have a bad ear for for uh, classic music. Like I imagine most people in 2017, but I have a bad ear for classic music, but the, the theme didn't sound like it was original to the piece. Anyways, uh, I decided to, since this is my second time watching the movie, I decided to score it myself this time. And so for everything up to chapter, the end of chapter six, I played uh, Demdika Stare, which is this uh, sort of like, uh, British uh, satanic noise band and they make sort of like satanic ambient music and uh, so this watch was I will say 300% better with uh, my own score uh, I know you, you guys watched with the score that was just Sure. The, yeah, the, yeah. The original, the pure yeah, score. It, the original. It feels. It. I. I heard the warning from you earlier. You. You. One of the first things you mentioned to me when you originally saw this back in your Spooktober watching is that it's a perfect movie that needs some work on the score, essentially. And uh, I wanted more creepy, and I got a lot of circus fanfare stuff. Uh, so if I watch it again, I'd probably be willing to rescore it. But obviously, for the first time, I was like, "Well, I gotta," especially because it's supposed to be the intended score in theory. Sure, I got I gotta watch it the first time. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I watched it pure the first time as well because I'd heard because um, I, I had a habit. Uh, for a period of time watching silent movies, like and rescoring them myself, which is uh, in my mind a totally respectable thing to do. I agree with you. Didn't. Di- you just yeah. put Dragula on repeat. I just, yeah, I just put dig through the ditches and burn through the witches. Um, yeah. This yeah. is a great Harold Lloyd film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, totally. I just play Bikini Kill. <laughs> That'd be actually awesome. I love the imagery of this movie. It's so stark. I and mean, the, the restoration that Criterion did is like, oh, it's it's so it's churn pretty. It's churn-worthy. It's churn-worthy. <laughs> And, and uh, uh, but yeah, where was I going with this? So yeah, I love all the, I recommend Demdika Stare. 
It's on Spotify or whatever. Buy their albums. They're really, really awesome. I recommend that for the first six chapters. Maybe for chapter seven, just listen to the regular score because then you're like, chapter seven is kind of like a cool down for the movie. Like, okay, let's think about what's what's going on here. Uh, you don't need to have a horror score for chapter seven. Apart from that, there's also goofy moments in the movie that I absolutely love. Like there's little jokes. And during the torture sequence, there's this really, really cute moment where uh, he basically admits, uh, Christensen basically admits, he's like, he says, an actress really wanted to try the thumb screws and they show her face and everything. And she's like, kind of seems excited about this. Like, it seems like somebody who's just game. Sort of like when I went in, I was in high school and uh, me and my friends were drunk and we would uh, bark into a dog uh, collar, like an electric dog collar to see how bad it hurt. And like, guys, just so you know, it hurts a lot and your dog probably doesn't like it. The dog collar was really bad. And I think I, I totally, I saw this look at this girl's <laughs> face and I was like, that was me. You are not going to like this thumb screw. <laughs> and she is yeah. just like, she is adorable because she just has this like look of like, yeah, let's see. Let's see how bad this is. Yeah. yeah but then he has that, he has that uh, sardonic line uh, where he's like, you know, you'll never believe the confessions I got out of her. Yeah. Like, what kind of, what kind of movie is this? Yeah. And I, I thought it was like, I read it as a cute line. Like him just like, yeah, I, I did too. It's, it's like supposed a, to be funny. It, it's like a, it's like a cutesy joke to sort of lighten the mood in this movie coming to its, um, dramatic end, so to speak, and coming to its, uh, uh, sort of philosophical dash intellectual ends. Uh, that, that moment was really cute. There's a few moments involving, like, the devils that I think are supposed to be actually kind of, like, silly and funny. Uh, and I do think it's, it's, it's kind of interesting that the movie, like, a hundred years later still has, like, still has, like, little moments of laughter. And I, I, I took a long time getting to that point, but yeah, I, I love, I love how, uh, cute the movie can be at times, despite how fucking metal it is the rest of the time. What'd you have, Rick? What were you, some of your moments that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Uh- I think the main thing that I uh, that we didn't really get around to that I'd like to talk about um, in closing is just um, how bold the the narrative is and how bold the uh, the structure of it is. Because like if you take for just to focus on a single scene, um, the part where the the maiden comes to the witch, which we've discussed a little bit. So we have we start with a documentary, but we really start with a lecture. There's even like a, a lecture uh, pointer. That's specifying what where we're supposed to look as viewers. It's very, very dry. And then that turns into, I guess, a historical reenactment of the kind of thing that would happen where this woman comes in, she talks to uh, this witch. And then that turns into not just one, but several vignettes. Like we're in fucking nine to five or something where she imagines like, oh, if I apply this one thing then this will happen, then this will happen. And I just really feel like it's a bold move for 1922 in terms of the presumption of sophistication on the audience to even guess where we're going with this. Yeah. You have to understand, okay, this didn't just happen. This is her like um, fantasy. And looking at it now, it's, it's, I don't think it's very hard to understand at all. I wonder how people received it then. Um, I'll tell you who didn't get it. Theodore. He was, so <laughs> but yeah but then so it goes through these various things but it's just this notion of this this nesting structure and that's also borne out by the structure of the film at large where uh you are in this sort of documentary world 
and it's filled with reenactments. And it's also filled with a director dressed up as the devil doing wacky stuff. And we're supposed to view these things a little bit askance because we're, we're in a more enlightened age. And so we have this, we're sort of removed from it. And then all of a sudden, like Peter was just saying, we're introduced to, we break the fourth wall and we're introduced to a, uh, you know, uh, a woman who wants to try out the thumbscrew and we're introduced to, he's like, you know, one of my actresses who was actually, in fact, this, uh, like a homeless woman he found. She's not, has no relation to cinema or the stage even, who plays the old lady who's tortured um, brutally in the, the third chapter, whatever it is. And she, he like talks about her reliance on the, uh, her prayer book and how she believes the devil's real and it's just a very, very complicated narrative nesting doll structure that I that I think like it rewards repeat viewings because it it just it seems like I'm not sure it resolves into like a thing because we're watching people figure out how to make movies and these these genres like I said earlier don't exist as uh, discrete categories yet and um, this guy is playing with them in really uh, interesting ways. And I think it's always going to be interesting to that point. So my final thought is, um, so I, I know this is a very ineffable description in that I was energized by it, but that's really how I felt after watching it. And to give you a sense, I feel like there may be movies that I like that just because I see a movie in a given year, doesn't mean there's going to be one that energizes me. And ones that come to mind recently are stuff like get out or whiplash where I didn't just want to immediately talk about the movie with someone. But I kind of wanted to, like, go for a run around the block and talk about the movie with someone, if that makes sense. And I feel like this this falls into that category where I I loved everything I saw and it, and it threw me for such a loop at the end that I, I felt like I just just been in, like, a fight or just, you know, completed some uh, strenuous activity where I was – I would just had a lot of adrenaline rushing through me and, and kind of – even though it's for frustrating reasons in the best way possible that's, that only, like, a select amount of movies can really do to you. So I, I really loved it. Uh, it doesn't feel like a movie from 1922. Not that that's a criticism – but it, it almost feels – it doesn't feel like a movie from 2017 either. It feels almost otherworldly in its own way. Yeah, Rick, uh, what, are your, what are your final thoughts on the movie? Um, I really like Aaron's. Uh, it feels like a, a movie out of time in many ways because um, it throws you back. It, it goes across these different ages. And then by the time you end up back where uh, you're supposed to end up, it still doesn't feel quite right. And you have to engage with it where you are. It's, it's one of my favorite cinematic experiences, um, really of all time. I, I think it's, a an amazing technical triumph and, uh, I'm not sure I'll ever understand it. And I'm really okay with that. I think that's, I think you both, uh, summarized it perfectly where, uh, it is intellectually really stimulating, but it's also aesthetically stimulating. The, Film as a just a experience is super thrilling, and I kind of understand why Anthony Bach, Anthony Batch, who's the Batch, Anthony Batch, the guy that uh, re-edited the movie with a uh, new score and cut the movie down to size, like cut thirty minutes off the movie. I kind of get why someone would do that to sort of like recontextualize the images. 
I personally didn't really like the Anthony Batch stuff that I watched. I hated the score or whatever, but I kind of like get why somebody would want to be like, holy shit, like I want to take this and I want to make it my own thing. Because I did that with my own, like I put my own score on it. Like that's that's like a, the movie enticed me enough that I was like, I want to re-experience this. I want to take this in not just as a political work or a gender work, but I want to take it as a horror work. And yeah, like I, I, I... uh, loved watching it again and was able to sort of, like Rick referenced a little while ago, uh, engage with it, it was sort of as a nesting doll where uh, I didn't see why this piece was here the first time I watched because how could I? But the second and third time I watched, I was like, holy shit, he was referencing this this like joke he made in the first 10 minutes of the movie or this this uh, woodcut he showed first 10 minutes of the movie. It's a movie sort of like Death Wish 3 that my, uh, the, the, the politics of the person, the politics of the person who made it are probably incredibly different from mine. More so Death Wish 3. I feel like Death Wish 3 feels like it was made in like 1755 in terms of <laughs> politics because it's racist and it doesn't like poor people and it's like, but the film, yeah. but I interpret the film in a different context than maybe the the creator intended. And because of that, I consider it one of my favorite film going experiences because Death Wish 3 is an accidental parody of how conservative thinking is. And, uh, Haxon is not a parody of that, but Haxon uh, gives other joys than maybe the creator intended. And uh, yeah, I, I love the movie for that reason. Rick, thank you so much uh, for joining us again. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to plug that you didn't plug last week or the future weeks that you will be on? Yeah, our show? Rick, you, Rick, I feel like a fucking asshole. Last week we didn't, we did not push you to plug. Did uh, we not push the plug? See, I didn't even remember. I, I just finished editing no, Nosferatu today, <laughs> and I feel like a real piece of shit. Rick, uh, I, uh, I, I, okay, Rick, so or as I, we uh, call you, Luddite Robot, tell us. What do you yes. have? The only thing I'm plugging is uh, is my website, LudditeRobot.com. Come over LudditeRobot. there, read com. my stuff. Is that not, Did I say it wrong? No, I'm just I'm trying to repeat it as much as possible. Oh, LudditeRobot.com. To Never go to Aaron for pronunciation. I think it's I think it's LudditeRobot.com. Yeah. Old uh, Luddy is going to tell us what's com. going on yeah. at the totally. .com so, LudditeRobot. Yeah, yeah. LudditeRobot.com is where you should go. Uh, if you want to hear more from me, I don't know why you would, but that's where you would go. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me on to talk about all this stuff. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. We love having you on. Uh, Rick, uh, if I can double plug... Uh, Rick's website, Letter Robot. I think he is dot com, dot com, dot com. You go to dot gov. I don't know what you're gonna find. It's gonna be yeah, a dot secret org. government. I don't know, shit. man. I don't know. I, it, you know, it's like when you have a nonprofit and you buy up all the things. I didn't do that. So if you go to if you go to like dot org, it might just be to buy Ray Ban sunglasses. I'm so <laughs> if you go to if you go to dot org. After that, go to .com, leave Rick a comment about what you found. Hey, hey yeah, guys, can, totally. can, I, can I plug Rick's site again? Can you give me like three fucking seconds? <laughs> uh, Rick, Rick's one of my favorite. Uh, shut the fuck up, Aaron. Rick is one of my favorite you show writers. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure uh, having him on the show. And I can't wait to have him back again. And I love you, Aaron. I love you too. Yeah, so LudditeRobot.com, great site for all your movie <laughs> needs. Um, uh, so next week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we're going to be talking about The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, 
uh, with Sam Scott. Yep. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be a fun, fun app. And then, uh, Aaron, how are we closing out the month? That's that's it. It's a three-episode month. It's a three-episode month. Okay, so, and then... Uh, Look at the fucking it? schedules I send you. Uh, <laughs> it is already the 14th. I mean, no, I, unless you guys are, yeah. Mentally, I, mentally I was like, there's got to be something else. Anyways, so we're about... We're coming up on our, our one year, Aaron, which is pretty insane. It um, is. Our, it's our one wow. year, and our uh, next week is actually our 50th episode. Four, we've been wow. doing... Wow. Th- that makes sense. We've been doing four, basically four episodes a month. Yeah. We skipped We year. skipped one week. Uh, so our so our year anniversary really? episode is actually going to be our 51st episode. Uh, so next week is our 50th, and then the 51st episode... Uh, which will be our year anniversary, which is a surprise episode that we're not going to announce, but there will be a fifty-first one, and that'll be our year. That'll be our year anniversary. We've been we've been on this train. Uh, can't as the Brian Adams song says, "Can't stop this thing we started." <laughs> <laughs> I just want to congratulate you guys. That's awesome. That's thank so you very much. And we're hoping to many more years more. And uh, yeah, Rick, you're you're always welcome back. And uh, yeah, we're we got a bunch of exciting projects coming up. Uh, and hopefully, uh, we can announce in the next month, uh, a few of them, uh, a new, I know this summer you're going to get a new website, um, and you're going to get a few other little projects that are going to be totally off format. So yeah, we're, we're uh, really excited and we're still kind of, you know, in some ways trying to put together what that looks like. We have, we have a lot of ideas and we really like this format and we have a lot of uh, previous guests and people that we've been working with in various capacities that we're also trying to uh, pressure into to uh, to put put in the time to that it takes to create these podcasts. Uh, so we have a lot of a lot of people very interested. But if you're listening and you're on the fence, fuck you. Please do our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah so, th- so thanks so much for listening. Well, I don't know if we'll have anything special for, for number 50 or a year anniversary coming up uh, besides the surprise factor of our year anniversary episode. But either way, it's it's so crazy. Um, so crazy how long we've been doing this. And it's really just become kind of a part of our uh, routine. I don't know what Tuesday nights would be like anymore if I didn't, uh, didn't record this wonderful podcast with the best co-host a guy could ask for and all the wonderful guests that uh, have decided to keep coming back on. It's it's yeah. really been great. I love you, Aaron, and I love you, Rick. Oh my god, I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop this. Okay, I'll just put that as the song. Good night. I am not gonna be on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Give me my half of the podcast.
for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch and uh yeah reach out to us give us some feedback give us some support uh, suggest movies for the show all that we are also available on soundcloud tune in stitcher and itunes thanks for listening